0: Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby say Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the can, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. At the beginning of the year, I opened it up and I extended a challenge to you guys, and, and it, it carries over to people online. But I challenge you, I said, you know, this year I really want to... Um, to really start some outreach and make Sunday evening look a little different. And we were going to do that, or we are going to do that, by you guys inviting people in. I know, like, um, um, Michelle ha- has brought her son multiple times, and, and she's talked about how that's worked. But really, we we want to just have this outreach and bring people in. And, and really, that's kind of my passion, is bringing Jesus to people who wouldn't get it otherwise, and doing it in a different way. So one of the things I said for you guys that we were going to do is I was going to start really, um, especially towards the beginning of the year, tailoring some topics that would, I think, really fit um, to maybe somebody who's borderline, whether they're, they're a Christian or not, or, or somebody who's looking um, just for something that the world's not giving them. Um, and, and one of the ways I wanted to do that was I think this evening we're going to start a sermon series. And, and what what we called it, and there's some awesome graphics online, so I learned how to do graphics and all that stuff, so now I'm kind of a, obsessed with making memes and all of that stuff. But it, it's a sermon we're going to call Love in Action. And what I'm going to talk about, and it, I, 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 I haven't figured out if it's going to be Uh, three-part series or four-part series or five-part series or whatever i'll let god take the wheel on that one um but we're going to talk about instances in the bible um, where jesus really showed his love to people and and not only showed his love but showed it in unique ways um because I, I think the the biggest disconnect in, in Christianity, in religion, and all of that in general, is we throw this word love around, right? Like we use it so much. It, in fact, love is in the Bible so many times and, and it's translated in so many different ways that I think sometimes it can become like a boy who cried wolf thing. Like we talk about love, but what does love mean? And to me, that's a big deal because I don't think as a society in the world, that we truly understand the meaning of love, right? If I told you guys about love, um, you may think of things like, I can say I love football, or I love my wife, or (laughs) non-existent wife. Um, I I love pizza. You know, what does it mean? Like, are all those loves the same thing? Um, of course not. So, so what I really wanted to go over in this series is we're really going to take a deep look at what it means to love by the actions of Jesus. Because, um, I don't know, just, just in preparation for this sermon, I like to look at statistics and the way things are working, because that's just kind of how, how the, the gears in my brain turn. And I look at these statistics and and where we are as a society And where we are as a church and a religion, and however you want to classify things, and you look at things like um, divorce rates in the United States of America, or um, the the amount of of um, inmates in prison who didn't have a father in their life, or things like that. And one thing I I I came to find, and I think that's going to be the topic of really tonight's sermon, is that we need love more than ever agreed but i think love is such a freely given thing because of the sacrifice that jesus made for us i think our biggest problem and what we'll talk about tonight is not the fact that the world is void of love or or that that it's not there right the bible says god so loved the world that he gave us his only son right freely like he he brought love into the world I think the problem we're going to find, um, when we examine this deeper is that our love is coming from the wrong sources. We expect people to give us a type of love that, that they're just not capable of giving. We expect to get love from objects that don't give love in the first place. Like we look in all the wrong places to find love. And, and really I'm going to extend to you guys this challenge again. Like, If you guys have a coworker or a family member or a friend or something that that, um, God is really putting it on your heart to invite them to church, bring them here. This will be a great uh, sermon series uh, for you guys to, for somebody new to come in and learn something about what it really means to love each other based on the, the qualities and the character of Jesus Christ. Um, and, and I extend that challenge, too. I know we have a ton of people that watch online. Share these videos. Invite people to watch. Uh, one of the great things about technology is one, it, it, it brings, it, it, it lets people watch something in the privacy of their own home, right? Which can be a good or a bad thing. But one of the good things is it gives people the opportunity to really, um test out a church or test out a sermon or test out a pastor before they ever have to go in. Right. So I think it's really great that we have an online outreach. What I want to do is like cast that net a little bigger and let them start getting their feet wet and learning about this and then bring people in and love them. Right. Because that's what uh, Jesus did. So that's what we're going to try to do here. And I, I can think of no better example of love than like our, our people that are here on Sunday evenings. Um, You guys are just incredible, so um, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8 is where we're going to be in it, and what's going to happen in John chapter 8 is this is a pretty popular story, but we're going to see the Pharisees testing Jesus, which happened often, right? And one thing I want you guys to keep in mind, especially if you're somebody that's watching that's new or somebody who's borderline uh, uh, thinking about giving your life to Christ and you're checking out Christianity and you're wondering what it's all about and you know something's missing, is that there's a big difference between religion and Christianity. The theology of Christianity, right, is that we follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. Right, We believe that, that um, God in three, the, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, sent his Son to die for us because we are, are um, sinful human beings that, that don't quite reach the mark, and we just needed a Savior. So when we look at that, we're going to look at the character of Jesus Christ, but I want you to keep in mind that the Pharisees at some point represent religion. Because I think people's biggest hurdle with Christianity is is this term that we call church hurt. So there are a lot of people who, and rightfully so, anybody that is church hurt, I sympathize with you. And i venture to guess that everybody in this room or watching online at some point has been hurt by a Christian. So um, understand as we're going through this that there's a huge difference between Christianity and religion Um, religion can sometimes be legalistic, it can sometimes be condemning, or judgment, or all of these things, these negative things that we think about, and it can be off-putting to others. So what I want people to see is the love of Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at that in various ways as we go through this sermon series. So open with me to John chapter 8. It says this in verse 1, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people had gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. I love that. Jesus was always teaching. That's my favorite. The teachers of the law, i.e. the Pharisees, keep in mind the people of this, they were the religion of this time, right? They were the um, religious figures. These are the people that Jesus had problems with. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery and they made her stand before this group. So to just paint the picture... Jesus is out teaching people. You have the religious leaders of the time coming around, and, and what they what they were always doing was they were always testing him to trip up, to violate, um, to see if he would violate. What was considered religious law at that time, Mosaic law, Ten Commandments, things like that were, were big at the time. So, what they were trying to do was discredit Jesus and make him, make people around see because obviously he's drawing people in, right? He, 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 his character and his love is drawing people in. So, they were trying to discredit him any way they can. And the easiest way they could do that was to try and prove that he was a sinful man that would break their code. Um, that, that would not follow the laws of Jesus. So one of the ways they're going to start doing that in this story is they bring a woman in front of him. Cheating, um, and it said she was an adulterer, right? So they, they bring this adulterous woman in front of him, which I find it's interesting for a couple of things. I read through this story about this woman, and I stop and I, I think like, number one, it takes two to tango. But this is a human being. So they're taking this human woman and almost dehumanizing her and bringing her out in front of this crowd to be judged for something that happened in private. Um, And that's a big deal, right? She, this woman, um, I'm trying to think of the, I I want to phrase this correctly, but this woman brought in front of them um, was an adulterer at the time. and, and, And we don't think about, cheating nowadays in the context of what it was back then, especially for a woman. So this this lady got caught cheating, and at the time, religious law was that's punishable by death, So and and especially for a woman. So what we see is is they're bringing this first test to Jesus. And what I find interesting about this, my friends, is that this kind of starts to paint the picture of Religion versus, versus Jesus' side of religion versus humanity, his, his human side, his, um, his ability to love. Because he has a choice to make here. He can condemn this woman. He can go with the crowd. Um, he would be rightful in his, in his action-making to do that. But that, as we go on in the story, what we see is that's not what he did. Jesus chose to show love in a very unique way, and that's why I chose this story. What we see here is is where we start to see that sometimes the church or religion or religious leaders don't always dictate Christian theology for us. And I think that's important, especially if you are a new person, or if you're here trying this out and testing you know, what is this Christianity stuff all about? It, what is this Christianity stuff all about? Because how does the world see the Christian religion in general? Right? Th- throw out some words for me. Judgment, um, harsh. Like, we, we can be real hard on others. But what we start to see is, is when we're acting that way, we're getting away from the character of Christ, Um. It's this thing of religion versus people. Jesus did not always act the way that the grumpy old, we we call them crotchety Christians here on Sunday evenings, that the grumpy old crotchety Christian in your church acts. But what happens is that no matter what, we wear that label of Christ on our chest, right? So when we act a certain way, it's always going to be a direct reflection of, of Jesus in our lives. And that becomes important because then it's hard to go out and talk to people. Um, If you're treating people bad or you're not being very loving or you're being hateful or grumpy, like Mitch says I am tonight, um, that's a direct reflection. People are always gonna see Jesus in you. If you are bold enough to exclaim um, your your faith uh, and you're bold enough to let people know you're, you're saved and you wanna let them know the good news, Understand one thing, they're always going to look at you. The lights are always going to be on you. So everything you do in that matter represents Jesus. And what has happened over time is in society, Christians have given Jesus a bad name. And I know that's going to be a little controversial when I say that. But it's the same thing we see here with these Pharisees. People will quantify who you are and and the God you serve by how you treat them. So what we see in this crossroads is that Jesus had two options. Which one is he going to go with? A- and I think that's very interesting because why would God, you know, Jesus, the son of God, why would he choose to love a woman like this? It's going to make him unpopular. It could lead to his, his, his death. It, um, um, it's not going to be what the crowd wanted And and why would a perfect person want to associate with such a sinful um, lady, right? But isn't that the same story that we all have with Jesus? Like That's a perfect picture of Christianity for us. That's how Jesus chooses to love us. We are all what you find when you become more spiritually mature, when you start examining yourself, when you start turning away from sin and, and, and not liking that in your life what you find is that all these stories in the Bible of all these bad people, we are the bad people, right? Um, So I just find myself asking this question, like why would Jesus choose to love somebody like her, somebody like me? And what I found, and I heard another pastor say this, and I'm talking about a bunch of things tonight that other pastors have said, this was groundbreaking for me. Like if you guys are taking notes, I know it's hard in the dark here, um, but I want you guys to, to hear my first point here. God doesn't just love you. Like we throw love around and we understand that. God doesn't just love you. God likes you. Let that sink in for a second. And, and I, maybe that's not groundbreaking for you. Maybe that's a dumb moment and I'm just being dramatic up here, but that was a life-changing thing for me. I always pictured God as like, I, I, I somewhat grew up in church. I had a lot of church hurt. Um, I have brothers who, who have turned away from the church, things like that. I always grew up thinking like, yeah, God loves me, but he's more like a disappointed father. And I think that's kind of the, the picture we paint of Jesus in our or God in our lives. And that's not how he is, right? We start seeing through Jesus's character that, Jesus loves us and finds us in those moments where we're just, we feel unworthy and we've fallen so short. And there's something about those moments where that brings us closer together if we let it. God doesn't just love you, God likes you. You know, he's not a disappointed father. Like he is your father. He is the creator of the universe and he loves you. And he's he's he likes you. Like I don't know how to describe that any other way, but but it, it's totally contrary to the way we think about the way God works, right? So as we see in this woman, and, and what we're going to see with Jesus's interaction with this woman in this crowd, is that God doesn't just love her; God likes her. So let's go on. Um, verse four says this, or continuing in verse four. Um, sorry i lost my place they said to jesus the teacher uh teacher this woman was caught in the act of adultery and the law of moses and the mosaic law i was telling you guys about you are commanded we are commanded to stone such a woman now what do you say so you can see here they're starting to test him right they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him but jesus bent down and started writing in the sand with his you guys ever heard this story before so what you see is like, one, that's an ultimate like power alpha move. Like he's being questioned and being put on the spot. And he's just like, I don't have to answer you guys. Um, power move, right? My fellows understand that. Um, but there's a lot of discussion and argument and ideas in Christian theology about what Jesus could have been doing at that moment. Like, what was he writing in the sand? Because that's somewhat important, because what we're going to see here in a second is that um, based on what Jesus is writing in the sand, it it has a weird effect on the crowd. So a lot of people argue like, hey, what was being written? And a lot of people think that um, maybe he was writing down the sins of other people or, or the people around like, yeah, I know this this woman um, that you're accusing did this, but you remember when you did this? Or, or you remember when you looked at her that way? Um, and a lot of people argue with that, but I heard a pastor say something interesting about that subject, was maybe Jesus wasn't writing down their sins as much as he was just drawing an arrow to him, right? Like, And and what symbolism that could be, like, yeah, I know she sinned, but you're all sinners, and and this is the way to me. That's kind of how Jesus operates, right? Is we see these examples of his love and how he treats people, and and, and that's how he brings them in. And and it begs that second question, not only what was he writing in the sand, but like, (sighs) What did this woman do to turn to adultery? Like what happened in her life that would cause those things to happen? Because we live in a society of like cause and effect, but I think sometimes we forget the cause and we turn right to effect. And that's important, my friends, for you guys when you're dealing with people. I've learned so much through um, leading people and counseling people that most people aren't trying to directly sabotage their lives, right? Like, raise your hand if you woke up this morning and was like, you know what, I really want to mess things up for myself. I really want to end up in front of uh, a court of my peers in public opinion and get crucified or scrutinized for that, right? Nobody really does that, but what happens is that either people go into, like, survival mode or... Um, People just end up doing weird things to sabotage their lives because they don't know any better. And a lot of people carry a lot of baggage. And sometimes I think we just forget that. And I guess the reason I'm saying that is is I want you guys to know um, or people watching online to know that your baggage doesn't dictate your future. And we kind of talked about that last time I was on stage. But Jesus knew, you know, everything about you. He knows the number of hairs on your head. And he knew where you would go right and more importantly, he knew where you would go wrong, and he chooses to still love you. What other relationships in your life do you have that kind of love with somebody with? Unconditionally. Who who can say they truly love everybody unconditionally? <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> um But it's true, like if we're being honest with each other, we don't always love people unconditionally. There's always conditions to our love with people, right? That's the way it works. Like I love football when it's going my way. You may love your wife when things are going your way. You may love your wife when things aren't going your way, but there's always conditions. You can stop loving your wife if she were to cheat on you or vice versa or any of that stuff. Not... The only unconditional love that we find in this universe is the love that Jesus Christ gave to us. Super important, right? Understand this, and this brings up my second point, and we talked about it in the opening. We carry this baggage, and it hurts our ability to love, but love is freely given in our universe, right? God so loved the world. So why are we having a problem with love in our lives and in our society? It's not because it isn't there. It's because we're looking for it in the wrong places, right? Looking for love in all the wrong places, right? It's true though. We don't have a love problem, we have a source problem. And that's big for a couple of reasons. Because if I expect, let's, you know, Mitch, one of my best friends, if I expect him to love me the way that that only Jesus can. What is that doing to our relationship? It's probably, in all honesty, not fair of him, right? We have been conditioned to look for love in all the wrong places in people who sometimes aren't capable of loving you that way, in materials, in circumstances, in promotions, in all of these things, right? And what happens when those don't meet our expectations? We grumble, right? We, um, it's, just, it's just not possible for those spaces that we need filled with love to be filled with anything but the love of Jesus Christ. That's the way we were made. That's the way we were conditioned. That's the reason God sent his son to die for us. But what happens is, is we kind of forget that, right? So now we're not getting the love from others that we need. So now we have these baggage problems. And I'm not discounting that. Like there's a lot of terrible stories um, of things that you all have gone through, you know, but what I want you guys to understand is you're not alone in that thinking. Like Jesus, um, you are in good, I'll, I'll go here. You are in good company with people in here. I can't tell you the amount of stories of people who have baggage because they grew up in domestic violence situations. Or, um, you know, like with this lady here, why is she the way she is? Maybe she lost her parents at a young age. Like all of these things factor into the behaviors that we have today. And we need to understand that about each other. That way we can love people on their level, right? We don't have a love problem. We have a source problem. If you're looking for the love in other places that only Jesus can give you, you're going to eventually carry some baggage because of that. We were never designed to be loved any other way. So let's go on through the story here. Verse seven. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, famous verse here, right? And, And people tend to use it wrong. Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and started writing in the sand again. Like, what is he writing? He's just in the dirt, right? I love that. At those who heard him began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until the only one left was Jesus with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they, right? So all of these people were super passionate about her sin, what she's doing, her being condemned, And then when the shoes were reversed, when the shoes were on other feet, when the rolls were reversed, everybody dipped, right? Woman, where are they, he has said. Has no one condemned you? So again, I start to wonder, like, what? He bent down and wrote again. What did Jesus write? Because this time, what was happening and what he said to them was so convicting that people left. Like, people walked away. So what was being said, and, and what I like to think about that is, um, or, or where my mind kind of goes, because I understand the character of Jesus Christ, and I understand how the character of Jesus works with, um, with uh, people around him. What I like to think happened here is that people saw, people had such a disdain for this woman And what she did. And they were so strong and passionately against her. And they saw Jesus' love for her and how opposite that was of them. And that was off-putting to them. And that's what really caused them to leave, right? And I think that's beautiful because that's how Jesus loves us versus the world, right? Like such disdain. and, And sometimes we have that for ourselves, but Jesus doesn't feel that way about us. And really, I, I think if we did a scientific study, or if we asked Jesus, or if we looked at this, that's what I think is happening here, and that's what we should look like to others, right? Jesus' love for this woman was so unpopular and so different and so strong and so um, counter to everybody else's that it literally turned people away from wanting to sin against her. Does that sound familiar to you guys? You know, I I talked about Jesus drawing an arrow in the sand. Like, hey, I know you did this and I know she did this. Do you remember when you did this? This is the way out of that. Like there is an option here. I forgive you. I love you. I'm here for you. I don't just love you. I like you. I think that's what all of that represents here, and it's such a powerful story. It brings me to my third and and, and final point here. We might have a quick one tonight. I don't know what our time is, Mitch, but Mitch always yells at me. The love you are able to give is directly proportionate um, to the love that you have received, right? Think about that. The love you're able to give is directly proportionate to the love you have received. That's the power of parenting, right? It starts at a young age. Some people don't have the ability to love super strongly because they weren't shown what love is, right? Some people just can't meet you there. And it's it's literally like, I'm not telling you anything that's counter-cultural here or not scientific, scientifically proven. Like the love you're able to give is directly proportionate to the love you have received. So let's, you know, that's the... 10 foot view, we're looking at here, right? Like, um, Tyler's parents didn't love him the way he needed to be loved, so now Tyler has mommy issues or daddy issues or all of these things we hear about, right? Which are really true. But do we start to see when we look at a 30,000 foot view, foot view here, what is the difference? My parents may have messed up and, and, and caused some issues in my life, and that's hurt the way I love others. But Jesus died for me and and freely gave me this love in my world, right? That's the 30,000 foot view here. So when we understand that love is proportionate, right? Maybe I can choose to see my baggage in a different way. And I hope I'm phrasing this right. I hope I'm getting this right because I think it's a powerful point. I can choose to look at my past circumstances and my baggage and look at love in a negative view because of that way. Or I can realize that I'm so important to the creator of the universe that he sent his son to die for me and gives me unconditional love no matter how far I turn from him. Does that make sense to you guys? Do you guys start to see the power in that? Because again, in those two examples, the problem isn't love. Like I have... All the love in the universe available to me. The, pe- the problem is, is I was looking for it in two humans that loved me, but maybe couldn't give me everything I needed, right? That's unfair to ask of them. The problem wasn't my, my, my parents. The problem is my source, right? And when we start to look at love in that context, one, I think we're able to understand people a little bit better but I think we're able to love a little bit better. It's not a source problem, it's a love, or it's not a love problem, it's a source problem, right? Have we beat that horse to death? The love you're able to give is directly proportionate to the love you guys have received. That is important because you guys have received all the love in the world. It's available to you unconditionally. So if you start looking at it through that lens, you're able to go out and give it to other people. And that's the summary of what I'm trying to talk about here tonight. So in closing, I, I, I want to read the last part of this, um, th- this message. After he asked her who's left to cast stones on her, right? Who's left to condemn her? She says this. No one, sir, she said. So then Jesus says this. Neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go on and live your life or uh, go on and leave your life of sin that's very important that I got that one word right <laughs> go on and leave your life of sin what i love about this and i think what's misconstrued about this story is we went over the three points right don't misconstrue something jesus did not give this woman a pass and what we see all the time is is when jesus heals somebody or he helps somebody um, anytime Jesus has a rea- uh, interaction with somebody, he doesn't just help them. He gives them an action to go do in their life, right? So he doesn't just say, okay, nobody stoned you, so you're good. Go ahead and leave. What he says is go now and leave your life of sin. I've forgiven you. I've given this second chance. I love you. You're better than this. Go out and be different, Go give the love that I've just shown you to other people because you're worthy of it, right? Jesus didn't give the woman a pass here. He gave her an option. And that's the way, that's the love that is given to us. That's the way Jesus loves us, right? And I think that's important because we can love other people that way, right? Like you can love your children and still have expectations of them to do better. And that's what's happening here, right? That's what's going on. Is he didn't he didn't cleanse her, um, or, or or nullify? Uh, he he didn't. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here, Clayton? Um, he, <laughs> he didn't accept her behavior, right? He said, "Hey, what you're doing is wrong, but there's another option here." God will always give you another option and think about how much love it takes for somebody, for somebody to see the wrong in you, call you out on it, and want to help you through that. And sometimes um, we look at that very negatively in society, like, hey, don't judge me. Uh, my favorite one is this. Hey, I'm just living my truth, right? Like, <laughs> there is no such thing as my truth. The truth, you know, by definition. Anyways, I'm getting off on a tangent. Um, He gave her an option out and think about the amount of love it takes to hold somebody accountable and want to help them through that. And what I love about this, and and what I'm going to close with, is Jesus didn't preach the sin in this woman. He preached the cure, right? And that's what I love, and that's what I try to emulate as a pastor, like, people all the time come up to us, and, and Mitch, can, Mitch will tell you this is true, or Kevin, or whoever. People come up to us all the time and say, hey, why aren't you preaching about pornography in the church? Just an example. Or, hey, why aren't you preaching about alcohol in the church? Or, hey, why aren't you preaching about... And there comes a point, like, my, my reaction to that always is, okay, if you want me to preach about um, sexual sin, or a certain sexual sin then what sexual sin should I preach about next week? Because the two aren't any different. This woman cheating on her husband is no different than a pastor cheating on his wife, right? Um, They're all the same. What we don't do is is, is talk about sin as much, or nail sin, I guess. We preach the cure to to your sin. I'm not going to condemn you up here on this stage. I'm going to help you show that like, hey, I've been through what you've been through and, and we're the same and I've struggled with this too. And here's the way out of this situation. Like, hey, I know you're struggling and I know there's a lot going on in your life, but here's a little Bible verse to help you. Or, hey, I, I, I know that, that you're, you're struggling with this, but let me pray with you that's what Jesus did with this woman here. And I think that's the ultimate form of love is, is understanding that you're dealing with um, sinful um, people who are trying their best, but they're just going to fall short. Right. And loving them through that and helping them through that and understanding like, Hey, we're not all so different. We've all struggled with the same sin And yes, I'm going to hold you accountable, but I'm not going to condemn you for it. I'm going to love you through it because that's what we see time and time again. That's what Jesus did with people, right? And I think there's something powerful to that. So I just want to like challenge you. Like if you're new or if you've been here a while and you are struggling with certain aspects of Christianity or you're struggling with certain personal things in your life, like, one, come and talk to us. We would love to pray for you guys and um, to get on your level and and just be able to love you guys through your struggles. But two, like, bring it to to God. And I know that sounds so simple, but a lot of people are struggling and, and, and a lot of people are so devout of love in this world because they're just looking for it in all the wrong places. I want to challenge you guys. Like, if you're, I, I know the people in this room, um, but if you're, if you're just, if life's not going your way and you need another answer, come here and, and let us love on you. Um, but think about the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and the love that it takes to do that, and consider giving your life to Jesus Christ because there's nothing more powerful. Um, then that transformation that happens when you realize that you're saved for eternity um, and no matter what happens in this world, there's an option outside of that and there's just something powerful to that because I want you to understand, Jesus was an outsider. Um, Jesus continually um, associated with sinners and, and people that would be considered society, societally below him um, and the religious leaders of the time and people that you would think are important or people that would be equivalent to who has condemned you in your life and your church and your church hurt those were the ones that killed Jesus like Jesus came for you for the sinner for um, for people that would need him not right there's something powerful to the love of Jesus and and, and in closing i think i think we've kind of gotten to the point here. I want to challenge you guys, like, talk to your co-workers this week. Um, talk to people in your life who you know um, are not believers, are not followers, and bring them in, and let's have these conversations, because what I think we're going to be able to do here in the next month, year, 10 years, um, long-term plans, is help these people through these issues, give them community, give them family, and give them salvation and freedom in their lives because that's what we find in Jesus Christ, right? That's what's available to us, and we're called to go out and bring those people in. Um, so, so as we go through this series, I just want to challenge you guys again to, to meet me in that aspect and, and, and start talking to people about Jesus because... Um, it's not the church's job. Like Jesus didn't say, hey, go out and um, have your pastors make disciples of all men. He challenged all of us to do that. And there's just no way that Kevin or Mitch or myself or Ty or anybody else can do it on our own. Like these relationships and these, these um, transformations are happened, happen on a personal level at work, um, at the gym, at, at these places where you meet people on their level. Um, so I want to challenge you guys to to start doing that this week too and um, um, bring some people in. So we're going to have a lot of sermons and discussions like this one tonight. So let's go to God in prayer. Lord, we just thank you um, that you come to us in, in our worst times and that for some reason, Lord, I just fall short, and I'm always unworthy of love and grace and all the things that I'm searching for in this world and in other people and in objects. But you give it to us so freely, and it came at such a sacrifice. And Lord, thank you so much that I'm worthy of that, that you love me enough and you saw enough in me and every person in here that, that you were willing to send your son to die for us and that you love us so powerfully, and so wonderfully, and so intense, that that no matter what happens, no matter how far we turn, or we run from you, Lord, that you just pursue us, and you love us, and Lord, that's love in action, and you demonstrate it in our lives every single day. Lord, um, I just pray a, a special prayer that You bless some people with the Holy Spirit this week and give them the right words to say to people and give them the courage to reach out to people and love people on their level, Lord, because that's what you've called us to do. It's in your name we pray, amen.